Come on now. The worship team, after doing all that, they, they, their voices be a little parched, you know, so they run to get water. But can we just clap them out as they go? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. So Edith just set the bar high. She said, they brought it, Pastor. You better bring it. All right, I'm going to go for it, Edie. I got you. <laughs> so I, I want you to step into this age-old competition, this age-old rivalry that has happened throughout the dawn of time. Each of you have been a part of it. When it starts to get a little cold and this white snow starts to hit the ground, this age-old competition is the famous snowball fight. You know, you've been in a snowball fight before where, where you know, it's go time, you got your team, they got their team, let's get it on and put yourself in the position of a snowball fight. And that team over there is, is ready to throw, and you are sitting there behind a tree, and you see you and the homies, y'all got y'all stuff. You can hide a little bit, and the first person peeks out. I think we, and then pop, caught on the forehead. But you're like, no, 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 that was a fluke. Ain't no way somebody can catch me from all the way back there. Then the second person peeks out, pop. Dang, okay, may, maybe, maybe we got a pitcher on our hands. Okay, then the third person peek, bop. And now you come up, number four. What do you do? You, you put your head out there? You, you, you stick out and go for it? Or did you see what happened to the previous three people? You see, some of us have the idea that, like, no, that was a hoax. I'm smooth enough. I can do the snake or something when they cut. You know what I mean? You start thinking you so good, it'll never happen to you. But I love that God allows people to go before us to teach us a lesson to help us avoid some headaches. And we're going to dive into God's word today because this is applicable for our entire lives. I, I grew up in a neighborhood in East Cleveland, and I share this with you guys, where, where young guys all around me uh, were getting into the drug game. And uh, I used to see it, and I'd be like, dang, he got on Jordans? We in the seventh grade. How you get Jordans? I know his mama ain't like she work at the grocery store. I know Jordans. And it was attractive. And I saw a good friend get beat down by a guy who was like a big brother to us and big in all ways, big like this and big in age. And I saw other friends, other friends, other friends. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to go that route because I don't want to end up where I see y'all going. And I also got a daddy that'll beat my butt. <laughs> But, but God gives us these examples of things and people and, and scenarios that go before us, not so we can just have the strength to say, and we're better than all of them. No, so we can learn from them. So we can have the wisdom to understand the error of their ways so it won't be ours. Family, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We have been in this, this series in Hebrews where we are 
focusing on Jesus. And our, our chapter last week helped us see that Moses was like the best human being you could imagine. Whatever that person is that, that served and loved you well, Moses was like that times 10. And Jesus is even better. So last week, we understood that, 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 that in some ways, there's no comparison to who Christ is, but you can see Christ-like character permeating throughout history. Today, we're going to use Moses, but in a little bit of a different way. Today, the writer is going to help us understand something in hopes that we learn a lesson. I'm going to unpack this a little bit different than usual, but we're going to start by how we always start, which is reading God's word together. So look with me in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt uh, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. The Lord's word. The word of the Lord, excuse me. Just to summarize what you just heard, you just heard that this, this writer in Hebrews is saying, hey, beware of having an unbelieving heart. He's also saying, hey, the way to get through that is through exhorting and encouraging one another. That was what will get you through. And then lastly, he says, here's an example of an unbelieving people. All right. Now, I was a kid and uh, there was two games I loved doing. One was like when you have a picture and then you got to find an animal within that picture. You know what I'm saying? Or you got to find a little eraser in the picture. Y'all ever did that? And the other thing I loved as a kid when I was learning numbers was connect the dots. Like dot two, dot three. Wait, it's a picture. Like it, it all comes alive after you connect the dots. And, and the Hebrew writer is going to do a series of connecting the dots for us so that we can see the bigger picture of what God is trying to communicate. So would you turn with me to dot number one, which is located in Psalms 95? Because you see, verse 15 is taken from Psalms 95. And so we're going to connect this first dot. Psalms 95. Start with me. If you could scroll your finger down, we're going to start at verse 8. See, in verses, in, in our verse in Hebrews, it said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And in verse 8 of Psalm 95, it says, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa, in the wilderness. 
Do not harden your hearts. And then it gives a place. Y'all know a place is really important. A place will set context and it'll shift everything. If I said, hey, um, man, we saw you on TV uh, on, at, at New Year's Eve in Times Square uh, at one in the morning, and it was, it was awesome. You'd be like, cool. If I said, man, we saw you on TV at the blue light on Mac and Rose at 1 a.m. <laughs> now you know something up. See, see, the place sets the context. And so he uses this place as a marker for you to go to dot number two. Dot number two is found in Exodus 17. So I know I got you flipping a little bit today, but flip on over to Exodus number 17. Exodus 17. We're going to look at verses one through eight. Hebrew writer quotes the psalm. Psalm references this place, this experience of, the, of God's people. Verse 1, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Family, we, we had uh, uh, an amazing experience of the people with Moses in verses in chapter 7 through 9 of Exodus, where he's leading them through all the plagues. You got the locusts, the frogs, um, you got the Passover that takes place. And then uh, you get to that Red Sea experience in chapter 14, where, where the Lord parts the Red Sea and Moses leads the people through. Then you get to 16 and 17, and you start to get some, some grumbling, some frustrations that the people have with Moses. And Moses is like, hold up. Why are you frustrated with me? I'm just a messenger. Go to God. I can't control anything. And, and you all get what it's like to be the messenger. Not just when you are the one bringing the message, but when you're mad at the messenger. Y'all know McDonald's enters every one of my sermons. You go into McDonald's drive-thru, and McDonald's say, hey, we're happy that you're here today, but we don't have any barbecue sauce for nuggets and no fries. What you say? You know you're going to say, what? You ain't got no fries, bro? I'm just a messenger. I don't make fries, sir. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you know how you get to responding to someone who brings you information that you don't get excited about. They started seeing God as the miraculous and Moses as the tool for the miraculous. So Moses, make it happen. Make it happen. What we want, we want you to respond today. Make it happen. And when Moses don't do that, he gets an earful. Continue with me in verse 3. We still in, we still in uh, Exodus 17. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why do you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. 
The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. I will strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And then here would he hear, hear this term now. And he called that place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So from now on, when you hear this term Meribah, it's not a good thing. It's a negative thing. It reminds you of people that were experiencing the beauty of God right in their face. God was a fire. God was answering their needs. They were hungry, quail dropping out the sky. They need some bread, manna's on the ground. They are enslaved. Moses leading them through freedom. And then we see them say, and? And? And what I want now, I want now. And I'm, and, and, I'm, and I'm thirsty right now, though. I know you took me through oceans, literally. But see, this right here is thirsty right now. So what are you going to do right now, God? And it's a challenge to, to us understanding the human heart. It's crazy. You see here. One of the responses is they fought among themselves, it says, because they were not choosing to focus on God. So in their anger about him not coming through, they began to quarrel with each other. Then they began to test God. And what this scripture reveals to help us understand our Hebrew scripture is that you can be close presence wise to God. And not be close heart-wise. You can be in the vicinity of a godly experience. You can see miracles. You can see um, uh, um, all types of, of, of traditions and festivals. You can see people worshiping. And you can still not have your heart into it. And so this writer, uh, uh, Moses, is helping us understand that, that, man, just because they went through the wilderness and just because God was with them doesn't mean that they chose to be fully with God. That God's presence for some wasn't enough. That they still said, man, I've seen everything you did for me, but look at what I want now. So now if you would... Flip your pages back to Hebrews chapter 3. You're getting a finger workout today. I'm making sure that that pointing finger is getting its work out. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. See, it's, it's, it's interesting. You, you can't truly believe in God and truly doubt God at the same time. You can't truly believe in God and fully doubt God at the same time. The Bible talks about you got, you got to make a decision. Now, do we have questions at times? Do, do doubts at times come in? Yeah, you're human. 
But the, the foundation of who you are and where your faith is, if you are fully doubting God, then you're rejecting his beauty. I was uh, listening to a, uh, 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 somebody said online that um, Albert Einstein taught a class. And in the class, all he did was add, right? One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Four plus four is eight. He got up to 100 and he said, 99 plus 2 is 100. And everybody paused and they started laughing at him. And these are students of his. And they said, look, 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 you're supposed to be so smart. You didn't even get 99 plus 2 is not 100, it's 101. He said, no, I was trying to teach you a lesson. He said, did you notice that all of the numbers I added, you said nothing? But the one that I missed... You point it out and you harbored on it. You put, you put all of your energy, your negative energy on the one that I got wrong instead of celebrating me and encouraging me for what I got right. You see, God was all along with his people and continues to be with his people. Even these Hebrews that are, that are going through this situation, the writer is writing to them to say, I know it looks bad, but don't focus on the one wrong thing. Don't focus on the one thing that's struggling in your life. Hold up, stand back, get the bigger picture so that you can see all that God has been doing. Have God's vision on this thing. But when you don't, and I, and I don't say those things flippantly because sometimes the one thing that you really want, man, that thing is earth shattering. That thing is, is heart aching, heart wrenching, gut wrenching. It is a desire that reaches down to your core. So we don't, we don't make light of the desire. We don't make light of, of, of even the people of God's desire for, for water. You ever been to the desert? Everything, and you start getting a little dry. You're breathing dry. Your throat dry. When certain, certain climates. So, so I, 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 I get it. But what, what happens is not simply that the level of their thirst was great because the level of your dependence must be greater than the level of your need. You hear me there? You're thirsty. I get it. God says, I created you. I love you. I want to care for you. But trust me, this thirst is not greater than your hunger and need for me. So now will you question all that I've done because of this thirst? Is everything now in jeopardy because of the need that you have now? Or can that need be a tool to draw you closer to me, even if you don't get it in the timing that you desire? Now, let's not be tempted, y'all, to have that young student mentality. Hold on, online people. Pastor up here sweating and sweltering. Continue with me in verse 13. Ah, no, I got to stay on 12 for a second. So, 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 if, if understanding that, that we got to have right perspective in the midst of, of even a heart 
wrenching desire. God says the opposite perspective is it's, it's not that it's not good. It's not that it's not favorable. It's actually evil. He says it's evil when our hearts begin to be, have an unbelieving posture towards who God is in our lives. He says it's, it's actually like the opposite of his goodness is evil, and we display evil when we say, yeah, God, I know you was good, but you ain't good no more because you ain't doing this. Continue with me. Verse 13. And, and man, I can't leave 12. Y'all, I can't leave 12. You keep talking to me. And, um, and, and, and when you read or study anything connected to Hebrews, Hebrews is a, it's a joyful book. It's a book to help you get through some tough times. It's, it's, to me, I feel like it's one of them workout books. You know, like, 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 like when you put on, you go to work out. Uh, maybe y'all listen to classical music when you go to work out. Maybe you listen to like elevator music. You know, when I listen to music, I, I need something hard. I need it to bang. I need to like get me going. I've see, I view Hebrews as that type of thing because it's so focused on who Christ is. But Hebrews is also like like a, a giant warning sign. As I'm pushing you and pointing you towards Christ, I'm also wanting to protect you from evil. I'm also wanting to protect you from wrong. I'm wanting to protect you from pain. And there's five major warnings that come through this book. And this is one of them. Be careful. Watch evil. Don't have an unbelieving heart. Don't let verse 12 be associated with your name. And, and there's variations of what this means. Some people, there's variations of what an unbelieving heart is. All we know is right now, I'm going to get into all the nuances of an unbelieving heart a little bit later as he talks in, this, in the book uh, in, another, in another sermon. But today, know that however you view it, it's something you don't want. However you see an unbelieving heart, whether it's your ability to say, uh, I don't want to have an unbelieving heart, or God woos your heart, or all the different nuances in between, today, we know we don't want to be associated with evil and an unbelieving heart. We want to be associated with the living God. Okay, we really going to get to verse 13. Let's go. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I love this, right? My, it, it, it is part of my posture. Uh, it's the way God has wired me. Um, and so I, I recognize that sometimes when I'm asking people to do things, it's counter to their natural wirings. We all are wired differently. I'm wired that when I come in, if you got like a messed up haircut and your haircut, your barber like sneezed and got you, I'm like, oh, your ears look nice today. Like, I'm, I'm going to see something positive in it, man. I just, it's just the way I was made. I don't know why God, I, I see positive. And, and, and embedded within the, like, health of God's people, your personal health, the health of this entire church, all of his believers, is this challenge, this call, this command to exhort. To exhort one another every day to lift each other up every day, to celebrate, to encourage each other every day. 
I, I thought I was doing good at this, y'all. Walk in the house. I'm like, oh, you ain't do the dishes? But you did do, the, you did vacuum and it looked good in the table. I saw you put away all that stuff. And I did see you. Done, so I'm listing all this good stuff, right? But what did I lead with? I thought I was doing good. Why she ain't happy? See, see, see it, 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 that's not exhorting. It's not exhorting. It's not encouraging to, to, to see the outage and then try to celebrate. Just celebrate. Just celebrate. Sisters, just celebrate. Brothers, just celebrate. You see, I'm, see, I need to keep saying it over and over because it's not our natural posture. It's not our natural to just celebrate. But what if she don't see that she's supposed to do the dishes? See? See? See, you want, you want, you want, you, we want that to get in the door too. Just celebrate. And does, doesn't it feel good when somebody celebrates you? That's it. No, no, no ulterior motive. Ain't trying to get none that night. Ain't, oh, Pastor ain't supposed to talk about that. I know Pastor ain't supposed to, hey, hey, you know, ain't trying to ask you for $10 afterwards. Don't want that. All they want is for you to feel celebrated. It, 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 it transforms things. Your day will be a di- little bit different when you feel celebrated. And God is saying this needs to be a part of the flow of the church. This needs to be a part of this. This is what can fight evil. If you, if you can see how easy it is to get in a, in a, in a I see the one wrong of a hundred things, what can help snap you out of that? Somebody to come along with an encouraging word. And I love this because, because our singles are called to this just as voraciously. I'm making up Pastor Leon words. No, it's, it's a word, but I ain't using it. Anyway, just as passionately as our married because this is the life of the body. Life of the body. Exhort one another. How often? On, on what day of the week should it take place? Every day. He says, as long as it is called today. How, how you get out of this thing? I'm, I'm going to do it to no, Today. <laughs> That's still happening since he wrote that book, Today. You know, there's a... Uh, a, a author, I was reading this, this article, it says, um, from uh, Christopher News, this article, it said, author Leo Buscalagia tells this story about his mother and their misery dinner. It was the night after his father came home and said it looked as if he would have to go into bankruptcy because his partner had taken all the firm's funds. His mother went out, sold some jewelry to buy food for a sumptuous feast. Other members of the family scolded her for it, but she told them, the time for joy is now, when we need it most, not next week. Her courageous act rallied the family and transformed their future. See, we don't have to go out and get 
something. We don't have to sell off something in order to change the course of our family's emotional or spiritual climate. We can exhort, pull that from God and have an impact today. Why? Because Satan is lurking. He wants us, all of us to doubt. I was wrestling with it. I was going to share this, but I'm going to tell y'all, even I've been preparing this sermon for some time intensely this week. Today, my mind is on it. God is speaking to me whole time, right? I'm sitting in the back. Worship is amazing. Megan started talking. I'm like encouraged by Megan. Rebecca started talking. I'm encouraged by Rebecca. And in the back of my mind is a clock. Are they going too long? Are they talking too long? You being blessed by them. I know, I know. I forget the blessing. Are they going too long? Isn't it easy to find yourself in a place of doubt, of questioning, of not even being able to experience what God is doing today in the moment? So we need one another to exhort one another because I may not be able to exhort myself and snap myself out of this thing. But when Brian comes and says, hey, pastor, nice ears. (laughs) That thing will, will, will help you. It'll get you focused. It'll allow you to say, oh, yes, that there are 99 reasons why I can celebrate this God. And I'm not going to let the one wrong, no matter how serious that wrong is, change the way I view him coming through again and again and again. I don't want God saying that my house is the place of quarreling because I don't view how beautiful he is. I don't want God saying that my house is the place where doubt crept in and I just questioned him and I had an unbelieving heart. No, even though I'm going through something, I'm going to stand on who God is. I'm going to stand on his word and I'm going to trust this body to encourage me when I can't even encourage myself. You see, this writer is writing to people going through it, and he's saying, we're going to get through one encouraging another. We are going to get through. Because our goal is to represent Christ, not to have our hearts hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Family, I don't know how you learn. I don't know if you learn from reading. I don't know if you learn from listening. I don't know if you learn from doing. I don't know if you learn. But, but the Bible always wants to give you examples. Here's an example. Don't do as they did. Here's an example. Don't, don't fall into the same trap. Here's an example. Don't let church be enough. Just coming to church is not enough. And to my people at home, my people that's present, y'all got to take a pause for like 30 minutes, 30 seconds. Well, you know, pastor's examples always do be about 30 minutes. But for my people at home, I, 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 I beg of you to return to service because there is an exhorting component that takes place that you, that you miss out on. And hear me, if it's medical reasons, if it's, we're not saying there's no good reason to be home. We provide grace And we're thankful that you even tuning in with us. With that said, we want you here. 
Because there is an exhorting component that happens that, that gets lost in vi- virtual experiences. Taking point, um, my, my kids love my mother's cooking. And uh, um, mama throw down, you know, chicken. I mean, we, it, and, and many of you over the past two years went and, and had a, like a virtual Thanksgiving. Virtual Christmas, one of those things where you just zoomed and a lot of people did. And because we couldn't see each other, that was cool. It was cool to connect with family all over and we just all jump on a Zoom call for 30 minutes and somebody don't mute and you hear some stuff you ain't supposed to hear and people yelling. I mean, it was cool and it was crazy, right? But, but there's some, some stuff that happens when, when, when my daughter goes in the kitchen with my mom and my mom showing her how to take the skins off the yams. Then to start mashing them. Then asking about how school going. I know you and your daddy been getting into some arguments. How that's going? I know you growing up and from a from a young girl into a young woman. How's that going? And there's conversations that happen. There's opportunities to enter into life that's a little bit different when when we are close and we are in proximity. The way I can exhort you is a little bit different when I see into your life than when I got to view it on my on my phone. Doesn't mean that there's not good reasons to not be present. But we are asking, celebrating and desiring for your presence to be here with us. So that out of this time, we can continue to do life, which we do during the week. We connect during the week. I'm thankful we're not a Sunday-only ministry. But there's some cool stuff that happens on Sundays together, too. Amen? If nothing else, you just get to hear me singing when you come. You know what I'm saying? Singing from the back. But seriously, family. I know my wife laughed too hard. She laughed too hard. Uh, but seriously, family, we do want, we do want there to be an exhortation that happens, and that happens as we get a chance to be in each other's presence. We don't want to have an unbelieving hearts. We want to be able to exhort one another and fight against the unbelief. There's a personal call, and then there's a corporate call. I pray that we will respond in love and faithfully together. Let us pray. Father, you warned us. You warned us because people were near you, but didn't have hearts for you. They saw miracles and yet rejected you. And we don't want to assume that anyone should ignore that warning. It's for us all. Because pride will lead before the fall. And so, Lord, we pray that, uh, one, Lord, I do pray just for more opportunities of, of exhortation. And that we would take the risk of doing that together. I pray, Father, for our fellowship groups to be environments where that type of exhortation happens, where we are celebrating each other and pursuing each other and lifting each other up and encouraging us to live in godly ways, even encouraging us to take the weight of our desire, that thing we're longing for, 
encourage us to keep taking it before God, keep taking it before God, and we go to you, Father, with them. Help us to be a body that hears this warning and responds faithfully. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.